This episode is brought to you by CLA. Here's your money briefing for Wednesday, February 21st. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. More than 4 million people in the U.S. will turn 65 this year. But a growing number of people are putting off full retirement and taking on part-time jobs. The majority say it's for financial reasons. They feel like they don't have enough money or they're going to run out of money, the cost of living, inflation. That's the biggest reason they're going back. About a third of them also are just bored. We'll talk to Wall Street Journal columnist Claire Ansbury after the break. When it comes to planning for the future, taxes and wealth advisory tend to be viewed as two separate conversations. But some things are just better together. That's why at Clifton Larson Allen, they call it 12th. Here's Clayton Bland, Chief Wealth Advisory Officer at CLA. More often than not, all of the decision-making around the tax relationship are predicated on things that have happened in the past. An investment advisory relationship would be something that's looking at, hey, what are your future goals? How can we allocate capital to help you achieve those goals? So when we talk about 12th, tax and wealth together, that's really what we provide at CLA with that combination of both professionals. It provides for the necessary information to make the decision that will have the best impact on you, both from a goal standpoint of my portfolio and also from a tax consequence standpoint of when I file my tax return. Visit claconnect.com for more insights from Clifton Larson Allen. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. More retirees are spending their golden years working part-time jobs. Wall Street Journal columnist Claire Ansbury joins me. Claire, give us the big picture about how many people are reaching retirement age this year. More than 4 million Americans are going to reach 65 this year, and that translates into about 11,200 people a day. So a good chunk, and that high level is going to be sustained through 2027. So a lot of people are reaching that age that we traditionally associate with retirement. About how many retirees plan to go back to work? Well, overall, about one-third of adults 65 to 69 have jobs, and that's up from less than a quarter in 2000. As to how many of those were retired and returned to work isn't clear, but surveys suggest that it's a lot. One survey showed that one in eight people who are retired plan to go back to work this year, and another survey found that one-third of current retirees in this age are considering returning to work. How are the finances of this current crop of retirees different from past generations? In past generations, more retirees had these pensions, so they had guaranteed income that would support them through their life, but most of them don't have that now. So they are basing their retirement planning and their needs on their own savings. It's what they have, and that has to last them long because we're all living longer. And many of them are feeling they just don't have enough. They don't have that security. So that's why they're going back to work. You spoke with several retirees who have gone back to work. Why are they doing that, and what's their experience been? The majority say it's for financial reasons. They feel like they don't have enough money or they're going to run out of money, the cost of living, inflation. 
that's the biggest reason they're going back. They're paying off debt. Some of their careers have been interrupted for caregiving. Others had to retire earlier than they expected because of layoffs or, again, ill relatives, so to care for them. So that's why they're going back. And about a third of them also are just bored. Did the retirees that you spoke to say they went back into the fields that they were in during their careers? Some of them have. There was a woman, Joyce Fleming, and she's 70 years old right now. She's a nurse, and she retired in 2019. One reason she retired is she had a long and successful career and satisfying, uh, but she was also commuting like over an hour back and forth to the hospital where she worked. She had just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to retire. And then the pandemic hit and she took care of her grandkids. And then after that was just seeing her costs rising. So she wanted to go back to a part-time job. And so she helped with a call center for about six months. And then she worked as a case manager at another hospital for a little over a year just to help pay the bills. And also because she wanted to do some traveling. But those jobs were also far away. So she really felt like she wanted a better paying job and one closer to home, basically to help cover things like home improvement costs, getting electrical work done, just things to um, help with the house. She said, you know, the cost of living after COVID just skyrocketed. And then I spoke with a 65-year-old man from Wisconsin. He retired from a career as a uh, journeyman who replaced glass windows on his 63rd birthday. And the following month, he had another job. He was driving a school bus. He wanted something that was part-time, that gave him kind of a steady income. He wanted to do a service to his community. So he really planned ahead. The month before he retired, he contacted the bus lines, found out he had to get a commercial driver's license. So he works, you know, about six hours a day, the pay is $22 an hour. When he got his first paycheck, he showed it to his wife and said, holy smokes, look at what I got paid. Money was never tight, but it's just made it things a little bit more comfortable. He can go out and buy a camper, but at the same time, it's not so demanding on his time that he still has his hobbies of woodworking, and he's, he's really enjoying it. How are these financial issues affecting people who are still approaching the traditional retirement age of 65? Everybody in that age range, you know, the pre-retirees are now looking at a longer life. They can expect to live another 20 years. So maybe when they were younger, they would think, okay, you know, if I can support myself for another 10, 20 years, I, I should be good. But now they're looking at having to support themselves for far longer, which is a good thing. But it could also, you know, as you age, you're going to have higher costs for caregiving. They don't want to be caught short. They don't want to be a burden to their kids. So I think that reality is really kind of hitting them. A lot of people who retired were sort of budgeting and planning for costs and prices that they had in recent years. But we've all seen how prices can rise and fall, but you can't count on them being at a sort of a gradual rise. So people are just having to be cautious and plan ahead. And, you know, a lot of the people who have retired said that you know, certain things they didn't expect, underestimating the, the basic living expenses, things like housing costs, housing improvement costs, medical care, 
just things like transportation. Their cars are more expensive. Insurance is more expensive. Prescriptions are more expensive. More adults, older adults now too, are supporting their adult children and helping them out. Kids and grandkids coming back to live with them or helping with the college expenses. You know, parents took out loans to help their kids get through college. So those are things that were kind of unexpected. What kind of lesson can workers in their 40s and 50s learn from this? The biggest lesson is start saving early and start planning early. And the basic one that goes throughout our lives is, you know, don't live above your means. And the idea of maxing out on your retirement plan contributions and keep on doing that. If you build that into your practice and into your savings and into how you live your life, this save early, save off, and don't live above your means is something that all people have pretty much advised. That's WSJ columnist Claire Ansbury. And that's it for your Money Briefing. We'll be back tomorrow with WSJ's Ray Smith to discuss how some offices are encouraging workers to return by making the place smell better. This episode was produced by Ariana Osperu with supervising producer Melanie Roy. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by CLA.